welcome to Paint Ed. PCA provides painting contractors with connections they need to grow their business. To find out more and to become a member, go to PCAPaintEd.org. Find more great content like this on PCA Overdrive. A subscription to the platform is included with membership. For all you non-members out there, sign up for our free trial. PCA Overdrive is available on the Apple Store and Google Play. Welcome to Advice from a Young Tradesman, Season 3, Episode 2. I'm your host, Noah Cantor, and I am excited to present this inaugural episode of 3X Base, because it's a new thing. I am joined by Connor McLaughlin of Remnant Painting and Restoration in Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania, and Luke de Blasi of de Blasi Painting in Millbrook, New York, in between New York City and Albany. A little bit about how this came to be. A while ago, I realized that I was especially intrigued by Modern Craftsman podcast episodes, where it's just the hosts talking amongst themselves, like no guests. They have a pretty mature podcast at this point. They are established with one another. They have really good rapport. And I think the places they go together and the things they cover are really, really valuable. And I'm not even a builder. This transcends our actual trade, I think. And I think part of the magic there is how relatable it is. They pause the polished, client-facing appearance and just talk very openly and honestly. And I think there's a really strong demand for that type of content in the industry. And from the feedback I've gotten, I think I tap into that a little bit. And I thought I might it might be cool to double or triple down and create a group conversation model in the painting realm that is just for us. So I thought about all the people I've gotten to interact with through Painter Instagram, and I chose Luke and Connor. I had DM'd with Connor for a bit at that point, and he put some really important bigger picture stuff on my radar, and he stood out for his mind and just his approach to business and craft. And he and I are in a similar-ish place in business in terms of growing and training our first few employees. And as for Luke, as you'll hear, my physical therapist actually put me in touch with him last spring, their relatives. And then he came up to a Slavic master's class in Burlington uh, this past summer where we got to hang out for a day and we kept in touch. He has a much different background than Mir Connor, but it's a really valuable one, and he's got a great perspective to share, and he's also a good talker and a good thinker. So those are the guys. And this first episode is all of us getting to know one another in a way that we really hadn't before. Like, we don't have history behind the scenes that you've missed. It's pretty much starting with this episode. So I am figuring out how to be an interviewer and a participant. That's a new role for me. And this is these guys' first podcast, and they did great. So enjoy hearing the process and the new beginnings here. And the plan as it stands is to release these three episodes and see how people like it, see if the three of us want to do more, and go from there. And feedback from you, my listeners, is going to be a factor in this decision-making. As you know, I take cues from my audience about what to create And I would love for you to take a few minutes to fill out a survey that'll include an opportunity for you to give us feedback on this new endeavor, as well as just general feedback from me on this season overall. So link is in the show notes for the next several episodes, or you could just type in tiny URL backslash advice season three, and it'll take a few minutes and be very much appreciated. Okay, now it's time to thank the sponsors that make this possible, and then we will get to the episode. And the update here is that we have a new sponsor for this three-episode experiment, and that is Painter's Solutions. 
I'd imagine most of my listeners know who they are since they're one of the darling companies of paint Instagram, but if you are not familiar, they are an online distributor of an incredible assortment of painters' tools, equipment, sundries, you name it, you want it, they probably have it. I don't know about you, but inventory at my local stores hasn't been the most reliable this past year and change. I have started keeping a lot of my own inventory, especially as I further specialize in interior-only work, and bulk orders from Painter Solutions are becoming a more regular thing, and the more I use them, the more they stand out as a business. They have a great user interface for ordering, their shipping is astonishingly fast, the entire user experience is amazing, but the best thing about it, in my opinion, is that the people behind it have actually spent years in whites with tools in their hands. They know what it's like to be us, and the more I get to know the business, the more that shines through, and that matters to me. Their prices are competitive, you get bulk discounts, the customer support is fantastic, I cannot recommend them enough. So, if you've used them in the past, I'd urge you to use them again, and if you've never tried them but are curious, I would highly recommend checking out their site and seeing what they have to offer. And if you place an order of $100 or more by the end of February 2022, use the coupon code PODCASTGIFT, all one word, at checkout, and the lovely people there will include some cool stuff with your package as a little thank you for letting them know I sent you. Could be a shirt, could be a pair of their excellent work gloves, but you just have to order to see. And again, that is PODCASTGIFT at checkout, all one word, and it will only work on orders 100 or more through the end of February. And remember, it's a short month. I also want to thank the PCA, the Painting Contractors Association, our fearless trade group led by titans of our industry. They have our backs, folks, and they want to make our lives better in order to make the industry better. The 3X base series will be available in video form exclusively on their OverDrive media platform if you'd like to watch in that way, as well as a ton of other great content. The Expo is coming up March 2nd through 4th in Orlando, Florida. The programming for this event is phenomenal. Check out the details on the PCA's website. And if you've never been to an industry event, please find a way to go. It is pretty much official. I will not be attending this one due to a house closing I mentioned in the previous episode, but I will be there in spirit. And lastly, a quick thanks to Armstrong Clark for joining for another season. Did you guys know I have a YouTube channel? It is Advice from My Own Tradesman TV, and I just put out a deep dive two-part series on chemically stripping deep sanding and Armstrong Clark oiling an incredible redwood-sided house in Vermont. That is super rare to see. There are only a few as far as I can tell around here, and I wouldn't dream of putting any other product, any other oil on a project like this. So if you followed me or followed the podcast, you've heard me say a million great things about them. If you haven't tried them and you do exterior stain grade work, what are you waiting for? Check out their website, read the literature there, it's incredible. Give them a call, order a sample kit, just get your paws on the stuff and start putting it on all the exterior wood you touch. You deserve it, your clients deserve it, your projects deserve it. Just do it. Okay, that's it. Thanks to those three great organizations again. Let's get to the show. And last thing, I want to talk about the name 3X Base. That is a Luke invention. Props to him for that. We were riffing on potential names that are like industry uh, plays on words or industry-specific things that include the term three, and Luke came up with 3X Base, the deep tint base. I think it's just on Ben Morcans. That's where I see it mostly. But anyway, props to Luke for that one. Uh, we named it after recording all three of these episodes, so you won't hear it referenced, but uh, that's how it happened. And yeah, enjoy. Cool. All right, gentlemen, thank you for, for coming through for this first 
experiment we're doing. We have Connor McLaughlin of Remnant Restoration Painting and Luke de Blasi of de Blasi Painting here. Um, and we're going to get to know these these guys a little bit. And we didn't decide who was going first, did we? I don't think so, no. No. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Um, Luke, how about you? All right. Let's get to know just the brass tacks about you, your business, how you got into the industry. Let's just start with like where you're located, what the business looks like. All right. So we are uh, about an hour and a half north of New York City and an hour and a half south of Albany. So we're right in between those two areas. The majority of our work is high-end residential work. Uh, and a lot of our clients are like their second homes from New York City are up here. And so we get an opportunity to work with these really high end customers and not have to travel and not have to deal with, you know, being in New York city. So it's our locate. We're blessed really with our location. Mm -hmm. Um, I'm 31. I'm a second generation. My dad's been painting for forever. Uh, but over the last four or five years, we've taken it from an operation of just him and myself to there's 14 of us running around plus a part-time bookkeeper and uh and that's pretty much it we're we love doing high quality work it's you know i'm constantly preaching to our team like i don't i care how long it takes but i at the end of the day i really don't like what really matters is that we walk away from this job we're happy with the way it looks and that's kind of like our mo Sure, sure. Okay, so you are in that second generation category, which I think is a really cool one. I want to dive into to that a lot more. Um, tell us a little bit about your father and the, like what the business looked like, you know, for for his time with it before you came on. Yeah, so he actually he De Blasi paintings only four years old, but New Creation Painting was my dad's uh, original business and. For the last 25 years, he's had like essentially like a four or five client like base of just those were his only customers. So there's a lot of like big estates around us and he would just bounce from house to house to house on these giant estates owned by like a couple billionaire families. And they kind of essentially he was full time with those guys. Wow. And he's working with all these just really old buildings and essentially unlimited budgets. And he got kind of taken under the wing of a guy around here that really has a love for the the buildings and the craft and all that. Uh, and just essentially said, start playing with stuff, figure out how to make it the best we possibly can and last the longest we possibly can. And he got to do that for 20 years and really like hone that skill. So that was kind of when I came in to learn from him, like that was the ground that I was stepping on. So it's like, there was a lot, there was a lot for me to take in, but at the same time, there was a ton of opportunity. Yeah. Wow. That's, that's like every small craftsperson's dream just to basically be put on retainer and do perfect work in the nicest places. That's amazing. Yeah. To an extent until like you see him, like he starts like losing his mind on something, you know, <laughs> and he's still like that today. Like we'll be working on a project and I'll be like, pops, like that, that looks great, man. Like he's like, no, nah, I just want to do like two or three more coats. It'll be, I'm like, we're way over budget. The customer is extraordinarily satisfied. They really just want you to leave at this point. Like let's wrap this thing up. It's good. It's good enough. 
So what was your um like what was your relationship with painting growing up as a kid? Like were you were you working there as summer job? Were you helping out? Was it something you wanted to stay as far away from as possible? Uh it so I remember as a kid I, I would try to like get out of school and work with them when I was like, you know, seven or eight years old. But uh when I got to like fifteen or sixteen, I would help him out when he needed like an extra set of hands, you know, not really doing any paint work, but just seeing the places. If you needed somebody to hold up a piece of sheetrock, if he was doing a repair or something. And then through college, summers and stuff, I would work with him full time over the summers. And I was uh miserable. Like I hated it. Uh and I was bad at it. I just wasn't patient. You know, my little brother would started doing working with us as well. And like he would he would like do all the window sashes and all like the intricate stuff. And like I would just be just smashing paint all over the place. Just if I like if I could be sweaty and dirty, I'd be happy. Yeah. But when like I had to have that patience to really make things look nice, like I didn't have that naturally out of the gate. So interesting. Yeah, yeah. And it took yeah. a long time for me to realize like the value of what of the quality essentially. Uh, but after college, I got out of college with an environmental science degree and the running joke I tell people is like, which means now I know where to dump the paint thinner to do the least amount of damage. Uh, but there wasn't a ton of opportunity in the area and I wasn't really ready to like start a career in my own life. You know, I was, uh, just had to get my life together. I wasn't there yet. And, so I just started working with my dad and I wasn't really taking it seriously. And then finally, uh, about four or five years ago, I, I kind of pulled myself together and I decided I wanted to do something with this. And that's kind of when we made the jump from like me tagging behind my dad and just kind of helping him out with stuff to really starting to think about making a company and, and making this a career for myself. What was that process like? Was it, was it just like a slow build, gradual thing, joining, becoming more intentional? Or was there like a moment where it was like, okay, this could be something we got to sit down and talk about this and take this to the next level? Both. So yeah. that, as I was, as I started taking it more seriously, like more opportunities started coming along for us. And I think the big moment for us as a local builder, home enrichment company, it's a, they're, fantastic builders great people as well you guys check them out on instagram uh at home enrichment company but they're they have these just awesome projects around us and they saw me and my dad working on something or we got recommended or something like that and it was like all right we needed to get comp we needed to get liability like we needed to you know have the whole thing like totally legit and it was like kind of a moment where me and my dad looked at each other and we're like do we want to make this jump like are you going to do this because he really was looking at me like I'm not doing this alone. So if you want to do this, I'll do it with you. But, yeah. uh, you know, so that was when I was like, all right, screw it. Let's go. And that was kind of the turning point for us. Okay. So you kind of, you came on as a painter, but also like on the business end, on the, the, the crossing the T's and dotting the I's. That kind of came later. So, okay. Yeah. So my dad's, Again, he's like that true craftsman, where, you know, we always talk about like, and he says to me all the time, he's like, just keep a paintbrush in my hand, man, and I'll be happy. He doesn't want to meet with customers. He doesn't want to have lunches with vendors. He doesn't, none of that. He just wants to go 
swing a paintbrush, hammer good work all day. And like, that's where he's the happiest. So as like we picked up, you know, my brother then came on full time and then we hired our first employee and then it was like, all right, we were doing a couple estimates a week and we started doing them together. And then after like six months, he's like, you're doing these, I'm not doing this anymore. And Mm -hmm. essentially he was like, I'm here and I will be right here. If you want to grow this thing, if you want to build this thing out, you will have me as like a head painter on whatever job you want, but I'm not doing this. And mm-hmm. that was when I was like, all right, let's go. You know, it was, it was, that was the time for me to decide that I didn't want to just be a painter. I wanted to own a painting company. Mm. Mm-hmm. At that point, I feel like that transition can be hard because then once you make that decision, you realize how much you don't know that needs to happen that that you need to learn in order to make that happen. And like, I know that was just looking at that mountain of stuff that I had to do and learn to get to the next level was just wildly overwhelming. So like, what was that like for you? Cause you've, you've scaled pretty quickly since then. Like what was that learning process like for you? It was, so I was just, and I still am, but like, especially then I was so into it and I was so excited. I had so much energy that like, I was Mm -hmm. just, it was like watching YouTube videos constantly and like talking to other guys and just, just constantly doing research on my own stuff. Uh, I mean, I would work 12 hour days and come home and sit on the computer for four hours. You know, like the fact that my wife was like happily with me still is like, doesn't even make any sense, but like (laughs) it was, we learned it all in chunks. You know, it was, I just, I just kept saying yes to stuff and then we just figured it out. So it wasn't one of those things that like, I didn't go into it with a plan. I didn't like, there wasn't necessarily a vision. It was just like every time an opportunity came up, I said yes. And then I was like, all right, well, we need to make sure that we have uh, workers comp coverage in Connecticut because we're close to the Connecticut border. Mm-hmm. And so you start the job and then you figure it out. You know, you say yes and then you call your insurance company and you know, you hope that you had enough money in the bid to cover the extra insurance costs. But I just, we just kept rolling really. And just, just didn't say no to anything really. Sure. What, like, what was your connection to the broader industry back then when you were in that steep part of the learning curve? Like what were your big resources other than like anything more specific than just the general internet when you can, where you can find anything? Yeah. So I started, um, I got, I was in Sherwin Williams one day and I got the, I saw the magazine that they do. They do like a quarterly. Yeah. It's like a mini magazine. I don't yeah. know. I don't know the name of it, but I saw that and I was like, all right, this is cool. And then that made me realize like there was something else in there. And I got to, um, signing up for like the PCA's magazine. And then I started reading that. So it was like actual print stuff in the beginning. Mm-hmm. And then I started, they started doing digital stuff. Uh, through the emails, you could look at the magazines through the emails, yeah, and that's how it started. And then that kind of led me into social media avenues after that. But it was it was those silly, you know, it was those silly magazines in the beginning. And then, uh, yeah, it ended up just fo- kind of finding everybody in the podcasts and all that stuff through you know Spotify and all the different you know all those different avenues. Sure. But not a ton of connection. So it was really, it was like me and my old man and like we were figuring stuff out and like having fun with it. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, Connor, we've been going quick. Anything you want to jump in on? Uh, 
Hmm. Yeah, I mean, I don't know. That's just kind of interesting. Your uh, your dad essentially just lets you like take the reins of like the business. Like he wanted to keep painting and working, but he, yeah, just like gave that trust to you and like just license to like grow it. That's, I mean, that's a, uh, that's, yeah, that's awesome. Um, yeah. So I, I don't know. I, I, how, how many guys are you at like right now or how many employees and now with, so there's four, 14 painters, including myself year round. Yeah. So we haven't laid anybody off ever since we started growing. So wow. we've been, but we've, I mean, like hard work, you get better luck, right? But like we've been lucky to have big jobs fall in the winter. Like we're going into a 10,000 square foot interior right now. I have 11 painters there tomorrow, you know, like, so things have lined up properly. But, uh, and to comment on that with my dad, Connor is like, he's a very unique individual and, and there's like zero ego there, you know? Yeah. And so it was one of those things that like, we've always had a ton of mutual respect for each other and working side by side. It was one of those things like I, it, like I said, it's the mutual respect. And it was just one of those things. He looked at me, he's like, you're better at this. And, and I, same thing, like he's a better painter. He will always be a better painter than me twice, twice as good, twice as fast. Mm -hmm. And, and so it just worked out, you know, it's a strange mm -hmm. family dynamic to kind of have like a, your son be in charge of it. But it, uh, it works for us for whatever reason. And it works for us because of his humility and just the kind of guy that he is. Hmm. That's yeah. That's super cool to hear. Like just to echo, echo Connor's point. Like there are so many examples where that hasn't worked as well that I've heard mm -hmm. in family businesses, second generation, this and that, like that's just super cool to hear. Yeah. It's yeah. Uh, you hear that, right? You hear like, yeah horror stories about the sun taking over and then the business goes to hell. And then, sure. you know, sure. also like people like don't mix family and business. It's like, I would not be doing this the way I'm doing it. If it wasn't be because my family was a behind me, but also be like dependent upon this, you know, yeah. it would not mean as much. I mean, there's that, there's that good responsibility there. Like when you feel responsibility to other people, like that can bring out the best in you. And it sounds like that's, that's part of it. Like mm -hmm. the people you care about most around you. So, yeah. And I try, we try to, I try to carry that weight of everybody, like the, the entire team, like the, the living, everyone on the team feeding their families is dependent upon me running this thing in a, in a, in a good fashion in a way that like everyone can benefit the most. So like that's when there's days where I'm just like overwhelmed, I'm just, I'm so tired and just like your brain starts going and you didn't get a lot of sleep and you wake up in the morning and it's just like the first thought is just like, I do, I just, I don't want to do this. I just want to like curl up and I just don't want to think I don't want to exist today. And it's like, dude, there's 14 people and seven of those guys are married and four of them have kids. And so there's 30 people sitting there. You need to go sell these jobs. You need to get it. You need to make sure that schedule's out. You need to make sure people have the gear that they need. And it's like, so that, like you said, that's like that good responsibility that it, it helps drive me. Yeah. So 
what what's your day to day like? It doesn't sound like you're on the brush too much, but yeah, what are your what are your current responsibilities uh, in this version of the business? So I do. I'm not on the brush a ton. Um, I do all the customer relations, all the estimates, uh, all the invoicing. Uh, my sister, who's our part-time bookkeeper, helps with uh, job costing and stuff like that, and helping me to figure out like invoice totals for customers. But like my average day is, I'll usually run to a couple jobs first thing in the morning. I'll get somebody set up on something, drop some gear off if it's like a little bit bigger, and you know whatever their their car, a couple of the work vans aren't going to be able to handle it. Uh, usually, like first day on a job, I'll stick around for the whole day. But on days that I'm not, I'll spend, you know, the second half of the day either back at my house running estimates or getting out paperwork or I'll go to, you know, or I'll be running around out doing estimates. So it's kind of everything, right, is the job description still, which is something that I'm working on right now. You know, it's like this winter is going to be much more focused than previous. It's going to be less about growth and more about honing everything mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. uh but yeah that that's my average day is chaos you know you're putting out <laughs> fires but it's like i at the same time and i know like this you know in the industry we talk you hear a lot of guys talk about like we got we need these systems you got to put these things in place and like the the thing should go through the website goes straight to this you got to automate that and like that is good and like i can see where guys do well with that but there's part of my brain that loves that chaos. And it's like, mm. all right, there's five things going on. One thing's a hundred percent wrong. I, there's somebody's kind of yelling at me. Like I, and I just like, I think it's that pressure. I just do better under it. Mm. Yeah. Okay. That's, that's going to be interesting to dig into too. Um, I think that's a good outline. Is there anything you feel like we missed in that just, kind of brass tacks, who you are, what you're bringing to the table, what your perspective is? I just think that the the biggest thing for me, and, I, and like I said, I really try to bring this into the business on a daily basis is like, I, I really just want to create a place where our employees are family. And it's like, we're like, I'm a hundred percent comfortable, like breaking those normal boundaries of like employer, employee type thing for the good of like, building culture and like showing that people that I care about them because I do. Mm-hmm. So but I'm just really trying to build like the genuine to me, like the genuine meaning of a family business where it's like everybody who comes to the door, like you have my full trust until you break it. And like, let's like, you're part of the gang. Now you got a sweatshirt. It says de Blasi on it. Let's go paint some stuff. And, you know, we'll learn to love you as we, as we grow, you know, with the business. Cool. Cool. And speaking of family, funny story about how you and I got connected. Um, so my physical therapist is your something in law. My sister in law, yeah. So my wife's sister yeah. up in Vermont. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. So so yeah, I I went to my first session, told her what I like what I did for a living, like why I was in there injured. And she was like, Oh yeah, Luke down in the Hudson Valley. He's so passionate. So I looked you up on Instagram and here we are a couple months later. <laughs> yeah. And I had just started listening to your podcast like a little bit before that. And so she was like, yeah, I think he has a podcast. I guess it's about, I guess it's about paint. I don't, <laughs> I, I don't know. I was like, yeah, no, no. I think I already started listening to it. So yeah, it's serendipitous. Yeah. yeah. No, she's the best. 
Yeah, Brady's good stuff. Yeah, shout out. So um, Burlington, Burlington, what is it? Burlington. Oh my god, um, I'm gonna get in trouble for this. Burlington PT. Yeah, I think it is. Yeah, so yeah, something like that. Yeah, (laughs) put it in the show notes, right? Yeah, that's what you're supposed to say when that happens. Yeah, it's true. Thanks for that cue. (laughs) Um, all right, Connor. Let's let's get to know you a bit more. So, remnant restoration painting in Pittsburgh. What else? Like, when did you start? How'd you get into it? Yeah. Um, so let's see here. Yeah, I started painting uh, about nine years ago, and it kind of yeah, it just started as. Uh, like me, I was looking to get married and I was looking for something that could have provided a little more than what I was working in, in the past. Um, and yeah, it, it just kind of became a unintentional thing that I found out, like I actually really enjoyed. So worked, yeah, for, yeah, I mean, I was working, um, started off in, Minneapolis, Minnesota, which is where I grew up and then worked in Chicago and, um, and then I was also going to school in Chicago. And after that, I, me and my family, we moved out here to Pittsburgh and continued working. Um, and yeah, I, like I, I kind of unintentionally became passionate about like painting and like I really just enjoyed learning it as a craft and I started this company May 1st of last year uh, right after yeah 2020 like right after the COVID lockdown was lifted here in Pennsylvania Um, and yeah honestly like before 2020 uh, like I would have never imagined me starting a painting business because like, yeah, I mean, I, I kept saying for like quite a while, like I, I just, I don't want to be painting forever. Like I enjoy it, but like, it's just not something I see myself doing. And um, early in 2020, like before even like COVID was really talked about besides it being in like China, um, I don't know. I, 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 I felt like a, a push and a, a pull to start a painting company. Mm-hmm. Um, I was pushed into it in the fact that like, I'm the sole provider for my family, uh, wife and two kids. And I had been since my oldest was born five years ago. And, um, and I, was working for a high end uh, residential paint company here in Pittsburgh that uh, as far as I thought, like I didn't think I could work at a better, like a better company. Um, but I just did not see a way forward. Like the culture was also just really kind of not healthy, like inwardly, like to work in. Um, and I, I just did not see a way forward and, especially just financially it was not sustainable and kind of what the pay was and um, that pay was just basically you got 
they review once a year and you'd get a little bit of a, a bump every year. And yeah, it, it's just, I, I was at a point like being the yeah sole provider for my family. Uh, and I was going to school full time in Chicago and working just about full time. Like, Oh wow. It was like, some, yeah, like we can't just keep scraping by like this. So yeah. something has to change. And that for me was like naturally like I need to look into starting a paint company, but almost bigger than like the push was the pull into it. Um, yeah. Like, I, I don't know. Like I'm, I'm, yeah, I, I guess at like this other paint company, I just, I don't know. I've just felt like a, a drive to like learn more, do more and just keep growing. And, um, I, I don't know. I, I, I guess I just saw the opportunity of like, if I started a, a paint company, what are the opportunities ahead that I could do? Um, like for instance, uh, I like it, a key part of like why I started this company was like, man, there are so many people out there that cannot think they can make more than 20 an hour. Like, really like I'm, like living here in pittsburgh there's people that they they look at like they just don't see great opportunity they don't see that they can do something they they enjoy mm -hmm. and i was working at overall like good but like flawed companies over my past that i mean eight years of working professionally and like i got to a, like got to a place i was able to financially provide as the sole provider for my family, like painting. Um, and I, I don't know, I, I just saw an opportunity to like, I can, by creating a company, like I can give people an opportunity to do something like they actually really enjoy doing. They could get paid well to do it. And I don't know about you guys, but like when you're in a, like an employee, like painting, like it's, pretty much a stress-free job. Like you show up, like you do your task and then you go home, like as an employee, especially if you're working on like enjoyable projects, like really it, it could be a, a great career path. Um, so saw opportunity there. I saw opportunity in the Pittsburgh market. Um, there's um, like at the last company I was at the best, most trustworthy guys at that company, they're going to be retiring in the next five to 10 years. Yeah. I mean, lots of dudes are going to be retiring. And even like, there's a lot of, a lot of like Pittsburgh homes, especially with exteriors are challenging. A lot of painters like have been doing it for a while. Like they just don't want to do anything challenging anymore. Yeah. So I'm seeing like a big opportunity in the market, like long-term, mm -hmm. um, and I can create a place that, yeah, I, I can give people an opportunity to like do something they really love and enjoy. And like, I, I want to treat employees, like my employees, like very well and give them my best. So um, I can impact people's lives that way. Um, and I don't know, it, it's, 
Yeah. Um, it, I don't know. It's just also like seeing it, it can just give me like in the, like the down the road, like hopefully there's gonna be more flexibility, freedom on kind of what I can choose to take on. Like personally, I'd like to grow this business to a point where um, I don't have to be putting in the hours I do. Like I could be putting in like part-time hours and kind of choosing what I want to do and focus on other areas. Um, So yeah, just really seeing opportunities. Like I just saw a lot of opportunity in the Pittsburgh market. Um, And yeah, I mean also just kind of opportunity to make like, yeah, just an impact like beyond my, myself, like, my benefit, my family's benefit, like, um, and yeah, I mean, this is something like really I'm looking, looking and thinking about for next year, but, um, just as a company, like with growing and prospering, um, looking to kind of figure out what it means to be generous towards like the community of like Pittsburgh, like my wife and I, like our family, we moved here to Pittsburgh so that we could pour pour into Pittsburgh. Yeah. And I, I don't know, just seeing like there could be a lot of opportunity, like as a company, like as we prosper, like we could be generous with the community we came, we moved here to be a part of. And which is a little bit, uh, yeah, that's, like that's like one of the big things I'm going to be wrestling through, like looking ahead to planning next year. But yeah, in short, that's kind of why I started the company. Just pushed into it because like financially something had to change. Sure. But also there's a big pull, like there's a lot of great opportunity. Um, so I've been at, yeah, since May, May 1st of last year. And yeah, currently have three full-time employees. Um, and yeah, as, as far as like what, t- what type of work we do uh, right now, it's like a good mix of uh, really want to focus on historic exteriors uh, in Pittsburgh and yeah, really just being able to take our exterior, almost like doing restorative work, like, take things really far a lot there's a lot of beautiful homes in pittsburgh but they have been like poorly maintained or poorly painted for many years and so that's like one area like i'm really gonna be like flexing hard and like we can take an exterior finish and its durability its beauty like we can max that out to a level I've not seen offered here in Pittsburgh that I believe there's a market for as people are moving into the city. Um, we also do a good bit of just standard residential repaints, uh, which, um, you know, as, as like, as a company, we have like our base minimum of like what we'll do on an interior. And as long as someone is like good with that, then like I'm good with standard repaints and I have apprentice painters, um, so it's, it's great for them to learn on. And then also trying to do more of like, um, the other section is just, I guess, high end, uh, 
finishing like interiors uh mainly like looking to get it more into like trim packages in people's homes and um taking that far so that's those are like the the three areas we're we're focusing and that's kind of a snapshot of like the company cool yeah your projects are always so visually interesting like the buildings that you work on are like that tutor you were on that big armstrong clark restoration this summer just like you posted something a couple of days, like days ago, like just like some stairwell angle, just like ripping those sta- that trim on those stairs. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Like both yeah. of you guys too. I mean, you, Luke, you're doing gloss rooms, but like, like, yeah, yeah. yeah. Really visually interesting projects. Um, yeah, that's Pittsburgh. I mean, yeah, we yeah we had a an extremely diverse year as as far as projects go, like especially with exteriors, I don't think there were two projects that were like similar. We, we did a different process for each one, um, different products. We just, we took it to different levels and then also just like, yeah, I mean, Pittsburgh's an incredibly hilly, hilly city, um, crazy hilly city. And that just presents like, some serious like logistical challenges, especially to do something safe, safe, like safely. Um, Mm -hmm. so it's, it was just a crazy, crazy diverse year that I got a lot of valuable data and lessons learned for next year. (laughs) So you started out like year and a half ago, just you, how soon did you bring your new employee on? And then like, how, yeah, just give me a, 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 timeline of like adding new people because you and I are in a similar situation in that we're in the throes of training our first people and all the pain points there so like yeah how has it been adding people for you over the past year and a half while doing constantly changing technically difficult projects yeah um brought my first person on uh after yeah this the new year of, of this year. Um, and there's, yeah. So brought someone on and it was someone I worked with in the past at the previous company and I got along with them. Um, and actually, I mean, I, I learned a huge, I've, I've learned a lot of like hard, but important lessons with hiring this year. Um, but I, I brought him on because I secured a large and, a large interior, uh, not necessarily like super large in terms of square footage, but um, like the level of finish, uh, like a client had been building this home for the past 20 years as his hobby. And it is the most well-built home I've ever seen. He, he's built three homes previously as his hobby. And this was like the home he was going to live in. So full of custom trim work, like this guy had an eye for like an eye for detail and we're taking all of his uh half of his second floor and his main floor is like what we pretty much did they had a previous painter do the third floor basement half of second floor and i think he went awol after covid but so that was a large project and i mean that's when i started hiring um so after a couple of months, went down. I went 
to one, then I went to two, then I went down to one, then I went to two, then to one, <laughs> and then to two, then one, then one, two, three. Um, okay. Uh, I but my current team, like I'm, I really hit hiring hard the past, uh, like this past summer because uh, just with people quitting and leaving and um, I scheduled large exteriors for the year. So like I needed to hire to meet these goals and uh, yeah, I mean, honestly, I've, I've been extremely blessed with the, the people I've working for me. Like they're trustworthy, good people. And honestly, like they're, they're amazing. And mm -hmm. yeah, so they, they've, they've been, the last hiring round of hiring was like in August. So I hired two in August. So now I'm up to, up to three, up to three people. That's kind of what it looked like. I was, I was hoping that initially I was hoping to hire two in the winter and then two more in the fall. So that I, like, I wanted to be up to four end of the year. Can I jump in? What yeah. so our last round of hiring we hired three at at once shot and that was the first time we'd done that. Like more than really just kind of one person at a time. And I found it to be like super valuable as opposed to just having one person because like for me sometimes you're training somebody and you're like how far along is this person supposed to be? Like you know, because we've been all been doing it for so long, you forget like you don't even know how to, because we've been hiring people with no experience. So like, it's like, you don't even know how to hold a paintbrush. And then if you have three of them, you watch and you're like, oh, this one's doing really well. This one still doesn't know how to hold a paintbrush three months later. It's like, Dad, did you experience that? Uh, so the two I hired one, he works kind of part-time over a period of three years. He's actually like, he's, he's solid. Um, the other one, no experience. And I had an someone who's been working with me for six months, he had no experience too. But I, I guess like kind of like Nick Slavic almost like brought on the idea to me. I was actually going to hire like a, a third person, but I was like, personally, I don't think I can train more than two people at once. So that's, but the idea of like, if you're having to train someone like, and you have the work there, like why not? hire two people or even three people and you're ex explaining and showing something like once to three people than rather than it's only one person. And you also know with like hiring, like I've, I guess total I've hired, I don't know, five or six people this year and three have stuck. So yeah. like after, and usually like the three month mark is like, if they can stay working for me like more than three months, like they should be around. Like, cause yeah, especially with like hiring apprentices, like what we can see, like what we do can seem cool, but um, the reality is it's really tedious. It's dirty. Like it's hard work. And because we're taking things like really far, especially in terms of prep, like you're either going to enjoy doing it or you're going to like find out you hate it before the three months is up. Yeah. So that's kind of like why I'm, I'm okay with like, yeah, looking ahead, like 
I'm going to probably try and just hire more and multiples, especially with apprentices because like, um, yeah, I, I don't, I, people really can't get like a full, a fully grasp, like what they're signing up for and people be crazy and <laughs> just, you just have to anticipate like not everyone's going to stick around. So that kind of helps with it too. So, yeah. I think from an efficiency standpoint too, it's like the person who's training in these small operations is likely the most valuable producer. So if you're going to stop your day and teach something to one person, it doesn't cost you that much extra to teach it to a second or a third person and just kind of match it, especially if one or more maybe aren't going to make it like you've just invested. It's not all your eggs in one basket. And they get to learn with someone too. They get to have that camaraderie instead of being the lowest on the totem pole alone and just feeling like shit because they have no idea what they're doing. They get to be like, okay, we both have no idea what we're doing. Yeah. Yeah. We just had our Christmas party and it was funny. The three, they're both, they're all three of them are about at three months right now. And like you, you could see them like kind of huddled to, you know, everybody's there where everybody's hanging out and like, talking and chattering then like at one table is like the three newbies you know mm-hmm. it's just like because they're in it together you know it's like they yeah. they're all at that same stage it's just like you're saying that camaraderie is there for them as well yeah i think that's big um i've, I've been curious about your business name too connor uh, yeah did that come about yeah um a couple things um one Looking at the city of Pittsburgh, um, Pittsburgh is full of like um, really like homes that are remnants of like Pittsburgh's past. Mm -hmm. Um, Homes that were built by, yeah, I mean, yeah, built by barons and steel workers, like poor steel workers. Um, Like you just have all these remnants of Pittsburgh's past. And like, as a business, like I personally really enjoy working on historic homes and I enjoy working on Pittsburgh homes. Um, and, you know, so part of the name like alludes to that. And also like, I'm, I'm finding like, as I've named my company that like my name, like the name is all, almost like a dog whistle for clients who have an older home like they're invested in and they want someone who knows what they're doing and like the name yeah i've i've had clients like it that draws them to me so that's i I wanted a a name that kind of like draws the clientele like i want to have um yeah i mean there's part of that and also this the second part of the name um like uh a remnant also like can refer to uh a enclave or like group of people that have kind of stuck by and have remains in a place that you know used to be uh they used to be part of like a larger people like Mm. and pittsburgh has like really like its own remnant um here they're called yenzers because in pittsburgh instead of saying y'all or you all they say yens 
like <laughs> yens, like people will lit, like the the yenzers will instead of saying like, what would y'all like to drink? It's a what would yens like to drink? <laughs> so, really? Yeah, yens, crazy. Wow. But Pittsburgh has its own like its own remnant and really like a really important like motivation for me with starting this company is like to be generous um with yeah i guess like pittsburgh's remnant like people that are kind of overlooked i mean there's tons of places around the city that live in homes that are in such like disrepair because like Hiring a painter, especially if they've we're living in a historic home that's not been kept up, like it's expensive. Like, and um, yeah, part of like a, a part of the name and really like the, I, it, yeah, it just alludes to like the, I guess our like for me a driving pur- purpose with this company is like being able to be generous and like helping restore pittsburgh's remnant like their homes like yeah um, i don't know that's that's one of the things like for me like with painting it like it's it's incredibly powerful like um if you paint someone's home that has been like like down down the street there's a community mckee's rocks um really rough part of town a lot of the homes are in like disrepair but like even thinking about like when you paint something the impact like visually it makes like i've it if you paint a room if you paint an exterior like that brings someone that that brings them like excitement it brings them rest like it brings them hope Mm. it like brings beauty in a place that it wasn't there before like our my living room like i just painted a few weeks ago before it was like a early 2000s tan that drove me crazy but now i like painted this rounded green my favorite color and i like love it like it's it's seriously it's like it's made an impact like just painting so i don't know using painting to restore the remnant um that's twofold i don't know if you're excited Expecting an answer, but no, you know, it's. I figured there was a lot to that name, and you did not disappoint. That's super thoughtful, and it's a it's a classy. Now, classy is the wrong word. It's it's a just like historically significant sounding name. So I think it really yeah. captures everything you just said there. Um, yeah, it's a good brand. Just like logo, Thanks. name, everything. Yeah. Yeah. Um. Okay. I think that gets us like through your, your brass tax story. Is there anything you feel like I missed too, that we should kind of throw out in this, this intro portion? There's going to be a lot more of you guys. So. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, I don't think so. Um, okay. We yeah. were, we were, you know, we, we talked about doing like, uh, what's your why? What's the vision? What role does this play? I feel like you guys kind of covered it in your answers. You know, Connor, you talking about providing these jobs, giving back to the city, the buildings, the people. Luke, this big family pull and this big like family core you got. Like, is there anything you want to elaborate more on that? 
that's really it for me. Like I, I and Connor, that's like also the restoration part of your uh, company name when you're talking about people pulling towards it. Like yeah. tra- that we thought about doing that and we didn't end up doing it, but I regret it honestly because uh, that's that's key. I feel like, uh, but. No, I, I, for me, it's just, it's all about family, you know, whether you're actually, whether your last name is actually de Blasi or not. It's just for me, that's, you know, it, and Connor nailed it talking about wanting to provide. It's more than just like having a good place to work, but it's like the more profit we make, the more we can pass that along, you know, and the bet, you know, we can provide paid time off and people can take vacations without having to worry about how they're going to make their rent that month. And mm-hmm. people can have careers as a, and want to stay, you know, and that's like, at our age, you know, just start thinking about, you know, I, you could be working with these people for the next 25 years, 30 years, if you do a good job of keeping them around, you know, if you make it worth it for them. And that's something that it sounds like Connor, you're like right on board with too. So, but no, I, I think you kind of nailed my why a hundred percent. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So we've gotten to know you guys a little bit now. What are we doing here? I think, you know, we're this, the tone of this thing, what we're going to talk about is going to evolve as we do it. Um, but, you know, we talked about picking do- topics every time and just sharing our perspective on them, debating this and that. And, you know, I think one that's kind of like an easy get in, get out, just you know, tack on to the, the rest of this episode. And there will be many more coming like this of, of just different topics is current pain points. Things that are top of mind, things you're at work, driving around, on the brush, whatever, just thinking about, I should solve this. I should talk to someone about this. I should like anything driving you crazy or anything come up with that? Communicating quality in a, in a way that makes sense to everybody in the company is can be difficult for me. You know, we have like a kind of a wide array of there's like eight of eight people in the company who have come from zero to where they are now. And then there's six people that come with a lot of baggage and a lot of habits and a lot of stuff that they want to do their way. And like somehow molding all of that to come out exactly the way I want ends up being difficult. So like expressing quality and then like letting people know like hey this isn't good enough i i see what you're trying to do and i appreciate your hard work but what this is a this is a failure here and here's why it's like i can say it to you guys right i can sit here and say this like very concisely but then when i'm trying to get that out with someone that like again that i care about whose feelings i i want to take into consideration because they are sitting there giving me their all like that ends up being difficult for me and how you manage different personalities of, of these different, different egos and somehow kind of get that person to be like, I got it. I understand now that makes mm-hmm. sense. I, I see what it needs to look like. Cause we end up re- cause we, I won't walk away from it if it doesn't look right. So we end up redoing stuff. And so it's like, how do you, how do you get there before that problem happens? That's something I'm struggling with presently. Same actually. Um, I'm thinking about it more in the like top down. How do I start that interview process with the client at figuring out what they want? 
and then pricing it accordingly and then not letting my eye for detail and craftsmanship trap mentality baggage get in the way of giving them what they actually are paying for and what they said they wanted. Um, so that's like the other part of this is like, what does the client want? What are they paying for? And then how you, how do you communicate those different potential levels to the team who's actually producing it? So there's that you can separate these things. Do you have distinct levels? You know what I mean? Like, do you have that? Like this is a B and C, you know, like, no. And I think I need to, um, because when, like nail pops are a really good example of this, right? When is a nail pop popping enough for you to do something about it? Is it if you you run a Plain-X over it and it like it like picks the scab a little bit? Is it if the mud is actually cracking? Is it if you can see it with an LED at a raking angle against it? Or is it if the client sees it? Like, these are all very different things. And like, you know, you start excavating a million of them. That's a different production cost of prep. So I, I want to answer your question more concisely. I'm actually considering doing a price point where I say I'm going to use the natural light of the room and anything you say drives you crazy. And that's one price point. And just anything obvious, picture holes, this and that. Like I'm not skimming little imperfections. We're going to do that PCA, like, like 39 inches from the wall without magnification (laughs) or like whatever that thing is like that will be written into the contract. That that's one level Mm -hmm. or everything we see with LEDs all over this thing at raking angles. Cause it really does have like, especially when something's that subjective, right? Where it's like, like, does this bother you? You know, yeah. and then you have that conversation. Let's say you're three months out on a project, right? You have that conversation with a customer. You write it down, but like now, three months later, you're walking into the house. Now you're trying to tell Bender, your employee, like, mm-hmm. okay, we're this one's okay, but this one isn't. And then like, well, yeah. let's check it in the afternoon because there's a window over here and it's gonna come shine on the wall. It's just like, totally. so yeah. it's it's almost like we are going to do it or we're not going to do it. Yeah, And then it's like, do you even want to sell the we're not going to do it? You know what I mean? Yeah. Because A, like, do you feel good about that? And that we're getting back into that craftsman trap type mentality. But like B, what kind of market are you trying, you know, to create with the work that you're doing? Yes. All, yeah. All very, very good questions. Um, especially, yeah, the, the, just the training the if then scenarios and the discretion it's I'm going through that right now and Bender's learning like that higher level discretion for sure it like it can be taught it's not just a thing that the owner has that takes years and years um but it's Mm -hmm. it's not clear cut and I I gravitate towards clear cut right now and it's not clear cut kind of what are you thinking yeah honestly that's I would just like describe my pain point of this year is just can be summed up in the word like clarity. Um, mm-hmm. And that's going to be like my big focus going forward um, into the new year is just like, I've, I've been trying to be like really clear and thorough, but like I am really just seeing like, I need to really take it further. Like, especially um, 
like a couple areas I'm looking just to have clarity on is just on like the employee end um, with like how we do a project, like having everyone like on the same page. So like what I'm going to be working on is like um, essentially like, I guess just like different packages, like for like we have our base interior package um, and then we could have a premium like wall package where um, the entire wall will be like well sanded um, and like we're really like going for something smooth like perfect or like skim coating. Here we have a lot of old plaster walls that like really you could you could take you could spend a lot of time like making walls look nice. So it's like figuring out like. Yeah, I guess just drawing the lines at like, these are our levels, like which one would you like and providing um, visuals for clients like, uh, like right now, I'm, I, I just went to uh, a place in town and just picked up some like salvage trim one had like heavy, like your typical like ugly brush marks, roller marks. Another one roller was uh, on trim. Just, yeah, another one was just uh, his like historic trim that had been painted like numerous times. So on like a single trim, I'm going to have like, this is our base process right next to like, this is our process, like thoroughly sanding everything, doing a round of filling. And this is like chemically stripping, like, so they can visually see like, here's our process, but like, the more we move like towards this way, like it's going to get really expensive. Like, yeah, but they'll be able to see like the customer will actually physically be able to see in front of them while you're there. Like this. Yeah. Is so I'm like, I'm really like, I want to hit clarity hard and also even just with like training because, um, because it, like it, it's one of my goals, like for next year, like I want to be largely out of production and there's like an expectation in my company of like growth. Like there's, um yeah after you're no longer an apprentice you've hit your basics uh like you've yeah you've been trained in your basics in all the areas you're producing um and you're once you start to progress there like you're expected to be able to teach basics to someone else but like i want to i want to put something together too that like yeah, I, I guess just have like some sort of training system in a way where like everyone is like on the same page with like, this is how you roll a wall. This is how like we prep trim. Like I really want to, for me, like training is going to be a big focus for next year because especially like I want to be largely out of it, out of painting and just kind of being support. And uh, I don't know, just yeah, clarity, clarity um, is uh, like a big thing. I just, there's a lot of, that's just been eating at the back of my mind for like months that I, I, I'm just going to be devoting time to, to do that. Clarity is like a very great way to sum up my rant from before is like a <laughs> lack of clarity. <laughs> yeah. I, I think it's interesting. We all kind of landed on almost the same exact thing here. And I, I love that approach of bringing, just sample boards and that goal of unambiguous objectives 
in terms of what you're selling and what people are producing. Like that is so huge. Um, cause otherwise you're just overproducing or underproducing and kind of guessing and probably wasting more of your time than the client's going to notice. It's such a, I think there's so much to dig into there that can save a lot of bandwidth, time and money. Yeah. And, and I, to the, to like the, the different levels that kind of like a la carte, like it's like the car wash, right? Like when I go to the car wash, I just get the lowest level that gives me the undercarriage wash to get the salt off. Right. Like that's all I care about. I don't care about the rest of the package. Maybe some people do. I don't feel like I'm losing out. I don't feel like, like I'm only getting a partial experience because I choose that low lowest with the undercarriage wash thing. Mm -hmm. I've wondered if you give clients a choice of different levels without them really understanding what those levels are. Like they don't, unless you put it in your hand, in their hands, like Connor, you're talking about how it's just kind of this vague notion about their trim that they probably haven't thought of too much, but can they get like some kind of like, like some FOMO, like if they choose the lowest level, they're kind of disgruntled about the lowest level because they don't know what they could have gotten. So it feels like this whole thing about like how you sell it and have them feel really good about it. And the other side of that is maybe they're like, oh, like, great. I can get exactly what I want. I got a deal. I got, you know, exactly the right value, but it's, I don't know. There's so much, I love this conversation. There's so much client dynamic here and. Mm. It's, if, it's also for us, it's interesting. Like most of, and like, like I said, when we were talking before, like we're, I'm lucky where we are because most of the people that we're working for have a lot of money and, and really the conversation more goes like, it's either like an all or nothing thing. So it's like, Hey, there's a, we're having a party on Friday. There was a leak. I need the ceiling done. I need this place cleaned up by Thursday. So, you know, people can get whatever, or it's like, Hey, you know, we're going to, we want to do a gloss room you know, or we want to do a Venetian plaster accent wall, or we're doing, we're working for a builder that like we've built a relationship with where it's like, for me, the deliverables end, like I, what I need to deliver, I'm is almost always very clear for me. I mean, occasionally we do like, we've actually had a couple residential jobs recently, which is especially with the wall prep where I was feeling the same pain. I'm like, do we really need to do this tape joint? But for the most part, it's, for me getting that point across to the employees and like, especially people with previous experience, like, especially when I'm bringing people on, like, and I found that like the people that I've trained, like they're they my break even is like seven months on them. Like mm -hmm. once they're with me with seven months, now I can start actually making money on them. But like the people that I've had for a lot longer than that, that have been, with other organizations previously, like those bad habits are hard to break. And like, I have to stay on them often about like not reverting back to like, Hey, I don't care that that's faster. It doesn't look good, you know? And, and so it's just like, it's a weird, it's just a weird dynamic. And it's just like, I, I see you like when I met you in Bender, Noah yeah. up in Vermont, it was just like, I could see her looking to you, even in the conversations that were like, she was looking for your guidance and mm -hmm. like you, you had her respect and she had yours. And it was just like a, it was very mutual. And like, you guys were ready to grow together. And mm -hmm. I was like, that's like, that's awesome. Like, that's what you need 
if you're going to grow this thing with culture, with set expectations. But yeah. when you start bringing in like wild card outside people, yeah. it's just it managing that it changes it a little bit. Yeah. Yeah. And my second guy, you know, he was like kind of like an intern thing employee from summers before. So I've, I feel like I've only gone more in network. Like I, I don't have experience bringing in people who are like strangers to me into this version of the company. Yeah. Well, you did, right, Connor? Like in the beginning, like you were, you said you picked up a guy from the previous painting company you worked with. Yeah. Yep. Was that a, did you feel like that was a struggle on your end or was it like very, I might just do a bad job at it. Who knows? Um, yeah, that, that was, that was hard. Um, and that, that didn't, I mean, that didn't work out. Like, I mean, the, the big thing was like, yeah, he was, uh, yeah, a, yeah, a detailed painter, um, like great with details. Um, but he, he was also, uh, there's just a lot of like bad habits. I was like, not, yeah, just not wanting to carry over and, um, yeah, it, it was just, yeah, interesting. But I personally, it, uh, I mean, just from working with other painters in the past, like I, I kind of just want to mainly like hire apprentices and if someone who has experience, like as long as you're like willing to learn and like do things our way, like, yeah, there's, there's leniency with like things, but um, like there's things where like we have to be on the same page at because yeah, I've, I've been at places where like whatever supervisor you're with, like things are done completely different, like different results. Like it's just, Chaotic. Yeah, like two two rooms on the same project by the same company look wildly different. Yeah, like the the so finishes. I, yeah, I like I, I'm just I just yeah setting like standards for like this is the package like this is a, our process SOP for this like there's some nuances you have to yeah you have to be able to teach to um, with when to break when to break the rules but. Yeah. Um, yeah. I, I'm realizing too, some of my worst bids on interiors, I bid it in the middle of summer when I'm rushed and just mm -hmm. trying to fill up some time for the fall and dedicating my company and my, my mental bandwidth to all interior full season year round is gonna it's gonna get so much better on that front because i'm not gonna be rolling in thinking about exterior work and just being like oh interior is all the same this and that it's like no now i get to dive into the nuances set these standards nail them down and move forward with so much more focus and like better production data too and like yeah yeah i'm realizing like the f the focus on one kind of work is helping on on that front we're talking about it should the clarity yeah and the efficiency right because then you start yeah. just like i just did this something very similar last week and my whole team just did this same thing like yeah. we know how long this should take and yeah. how to get the best results we just ran into that problem we're not going to run into it again yeah yeah
interior used to be just like okay i'm gonna go mail it in get, stay busy ish during the winter and this and that like it's mailing it in in terms of difficulty relative to my exterior projects right it's it's not like it doesn't matter but it's like it, the stakes are less the standards are less like if if i like miss a spot nothing's gonna fall off a wall in a year like <laughs> it's it's lower consequence it's um, so funny i feel exactly the opposite way really a hundred percent i could not feel (laughs) i could not feel more different than that no kidding so like when we're outside i'm relieved i'm like this is we're just we're just like running just exterior paint this three stories up someone's never even going to see this like there's a lot more planning right there's a lot more like how are we going to get to these spots and like you know what you know what are we going to do here and and like if we come across rot and stuff like that but like for the finish level that we're doing inside, like I get stressed out walking around with a customer at the end of a job, you know, and like mm-hmm. there's little flaws and like, I see, you know, you see something and you're like, I'm almost tempted to point it out. Like you're okay with this. Right. But like, yeah. So like it, for us, like the fine interior finishing, like that is stressful. Like if I'm doing mm-hmm. a deck or like, but everything is variable, but like if I'm doing, yeah, the vast majority of exterior stuff, I'm like really my shoulders come down. I'm like, let's go, let's just grab yeah. some orbitals and start making some dust, yeah. baby. You are really high end interior though. It's a, I guess yeah. it is a little bit of a different game. Yeah. yeah. Well, like yeah. whereas a lot of my exteriors were were like more complicated, higher end, higher stakes, and interior, I'm just changing some colors. Yeah. It's it's the opposite. We I think we had the opposite um, situations where you know you're doing gloss rooms and high end. Uh, trim packages and stuff like yeah there's very little room for error there yeah kind of you do both though like you're kind of there with yeah. both of those yeah i mean it, like it trim like fine finishing trim packages like that that is stressful um especially like you're spraying a whole like room of like trim and one spot like on a huge piece of crown got like a sag in it like that means like sanding like it yeah it's it's yeah i, I, I don't know in the interiors it's easy just to get like snow blind too like you you're you're in one room for so long like <laughs> it's easy to lose that like fresh set of eyes so um Yeah, I guess just, like, in terms of, like, the more you move in, like, levels of high quality, like, the higher stakes get, like, I mean, I've I've had some exteriors this summer that just felt, like, high, higher stakes. I mean, mainly because, like, to safely set up someone to work there, like, complicated, um, and, yeah, I mean, like exteriors too like that's something that should be really taken care of seriously because like interior it's it's mainly that like aesthetics but exterior if you don't prep something right like that could cause your client a huge headache um like to their home like their exterior needs to be able to like protect their home from the elements um and I don't know. Yeah, that's and one one thing like just for us too is like and then this is just like what I really like sell clients on is like when we 
do your exterior like we literally do it 100%. Like our base process is like every single inch of your exterior is going to get tested with a scraper. Like mm. even areas like it might look good. Like I'm like testing everything. Like, and so, yeah, we're like more expensive because of that, because guys just, they factor in like, we're going to only scrape so much and then just put it on. But like, yeah, so that's, that's where it gets like higher stakes with like, there's just complicated stuff. And like this summer we did a deep sand on like an entire exterior, two sides were built on like the side of a cliff pretty much just challenging logistically to set up. And we chemically stripped another like historic exterior, like the stucco and wormy chestnut, like, so the hot, yeah, there is high stakes just with like thorough, like just being thorough. Cause if you're not thorough and we're selling something that's thorough, then to go back later to fix it on an exterior and set things up, like it's, it gets really expensive to fix mistakes. And your name, your name is attached to that failing paint. Yeah. Yeah. No, I get that too. Yeah. All right. So we've, I think we've beat this pain point to death. (laughs) (laughs) Um, The last thing we talked about doing today. So just so the audience knows, like this is the first, obviously like experimental episode of this of this kind and we were thinking about like having like a themed thing we do at the end of every episode a lot of podcasts do that and honestly we don't know what our thing is going to be we might experiment with a couple before we land on one but the one we're going to try out this this episode is like a stir up the stir up the pot share uh I don't know if controversial is the right word, but an opinion that maybe you don't hear often. You see some people drinking the Kool-Aid. You want to you want to say something else about it. Like and yeah, we can all riff on that. So. So, yeah, I guess that's a decent enough outline of what we think this might turn into. Um, but Connor, we Luke and I don't actually know what you're going to say. About to drop the mic on us. Yeah, we talked about this idea beforehand, the stir some shit up idea, but. Not or stir it. <laughs> I mean, I, I had a another one that I was going to bring up, but maybe I'll save that for another time. <laughs> um, this is one actually, I, like, as I've started, yeah, just working in this business, like, there's some areas I've just decided, like, I'm just going to draw, like, a line right here. And that's going to mean, like, will probably cost more, but, like, it makes sense. One of them, um, what, like what place do do like drop cloths have for interior painting? So I'll share my perspective. Like one line I'm drawing is besides, uh, if we're doing like a, like a base repaint on like walls and maybe ceilings, like we will use like drop cloths in that room because like doing a bedroom is like a half a day of, of work. Right. Um, however, like besides that, like I really don't think drop cloths should really be used for like interiors because from like a 
I mean, this is just my perspective. Um, drop cloths, one, like they're used in like dozens of people's homes. Like they just get like nasty. They're like, yeah, you can, you can shake them out. Um, but yeah, like even like when I painted this like living room, I brought up a drop cloth that was used maybe twice, like in light projects. Um, and I unrolled it in and saw like, oh, there's like two, two pieces of like dried, uh, mud or patch that not like now got on my floor. Like I'm carrying junk in people's homes. And I was like, what am I like, what am I doing? So, um, yeah, like they get, they get dirty, um, really quick. You're yeah. Like people have their pets, like if you're moving like beds and furniture that have not been like vacuumed in like decades, yeah, you can vacuum the floor, but like people have dirty floors. And also like from an employee perspective, like unless if you're using like the cover group drop cloths, like they, you step on them and they move, like they move away from the floor. And I've spent working at other companies, like working in beautiful, like multi-million dollar homes. Like we, carry in these dirty drop cloths, lay them down. And <laughs> like, we're spending like two hours, like cleaning up, uh, just like overspray from paint because the drop moved when someone was drilling a wall. And even like, as like a tripping hazard, like not, there was one room, the last interior we did for, um, our, I don't know, winter season, uh, it was a carpeted room and we had drop cloths down and we just like walking over all, like all the ridges and valleys. I was like, that's it. Like I had everyone pull it up. I'm like, we're never using drop cloths in the carpeted area again. Like it's just carpet shield from here on out. So what we're doing is like, if we're in a carpeted room, like we're not using drop cloths, like it's carpet shield. Um, and if we're, going to be in a room more than one day than like we're going to be laying down shingle underlayment with delicate surface tape on hardwood floors. Like, yeah, that's, it adds on like quite a bit of labor to do that. Um, and, and also like, not do it well, but yeah, like personally drop, drop costs, like they should not be really having the place that they do in a painter's toolbox. Like I really, it really only makes sense to use it for like a partial day project. Otherwise, like what are you doing? Like dragging this nasty <laughs> drop cloth in someone's home. That's going to cause Dog like dripping hazard and you're going to get like overspray or like you're going to have to clean up paint that should like you're working in people's homes. You need to have, like, you need to treat these people's homes like better than your own home. Like you got to take good care of it. And I don't know, drop, drop cloths are just kind of like the lazy, like solution. I I feel like the (laughs) industry has come up with like not wanting to get down on their hands and knees and like tape down paper or whatever. It's, I don't know. That's me. I'm, I'm, I'm stirring the pot right there. This podcast brought to you by Trimaco. Uh, stay put, drop. <laughs> <laughs> so, 
So okay, I got a couple a couple things on this. Unless no, you want to go? No. You okay. So my just real quick, my favorite painting story that is at all associated with me or my company is involves a drop cloth. So my brother, this was before we were really getting serious about painting. My brother was doing some work for friends of ours and uh, the, they were kind of like hoarders, but they wanted their ceiling done. <laughs> so my brother started just kind of like kind of smushing everything into the center of the room. And it, we were, we were getting started, but the late the lady also had a really bad drinking problem that we were doing the work for, and so she was sleeping on the couch in this room. So my brother cuts in the room. She's passed out on the couch this whole time. <clears throat> my brother cuts the room in, and uh, he's about ready to start get rolling, and he goes into the the other room, like the kitchen or something. And he goes to the, the the husband. He's like, "Hey, your wife's sleeping on the couch. Do you mind just like waking her up and asking her to move?" And he goes. Nah, just throw a drop cloth over her. Don't worry about it. <laughs> My brother literally throws a drop cloth over this passed out drunk lady on a couch, rolls the whole ceiling, pulls it off of her, and continues to go down the road. So, yeah, that was before we established a little bit of a better clientele. But So that's my favorite drop cloth story. Um, but for the most part, Connor, I agree with you, man. It's uh, – it is one of those. It's a the big thing, safety, right? You know when you roll up one of those, like uh, if it's not a, a not, like a rug in the middle of the room. I don't know what they make like the bottoms of rugs out of, but they it's the most slippery material in the entire world when you put a drop cloth over it. You literally ice skate across the room on it. Mm -hmm. So like I just the other day I ate it walking across, and like I, I was thinking about that after I was like, thank God that was me, because like if that was a customer or if that was an, you know a new employee or something or any employee, but like from a liability perspective, you know, it's just like, there's issues there. Um, and I like that you put that distinction on it too. You're like one, if we're here more than one day, cause there's a lot of times in my head where I'm like, do we really, it's just, it's not that big of a project. Do we really need to? And it's like, just make a decision, right? You just make the decision. It's like, this is the rule. Is the rule always yeah. going to be perfect? Nope. But this is the rule. Three days we're putting this stuff down. That's it. Yeah. Two days we're still putting it down. So I like that because like I get very like and probably why I have issues with clarity like we were talking about before. It's like, well, we don't necessarily need to. We could it's just like shut up and make a decision. <laughs> I, I like that. And so my last point with it uh, ends up being – and I completely lost my train of thought because I just thought of another story again, real quick about drop cloths. <laughs> my <laughs> – we had a skunk. We used to keep all our stuff in my dad's garage before we got a shop space. And there was a skunk that I like chased in there. And like, I was trying to get him in a cage. And I was like, this whole thing, but he ended up like spraying like crazy. And we didn't realize that we're working at our local firehouse and we bring all these drops in. And the guys from the fire, they're like downstairs and they come up, they're like, what is going on up here? We're like, we, we didn't really notice it. Cause I guess we had had it in the van, like the smell. Yeah. So we like skunked out an entire fire department. Uh, <laughs> in Pleasant Valley in town near us, uh, with skunky drop cloths. But no, I, I like the idea. And, and I like that your, uh, your decision on the, the, if more than one day thing. So. Yeah. I'd echo all that. And I, Connor, you posted something about your decision the other day, right? I actually sent that yeah. to vendor and was like, okay, this is the future for certain projects. Cause we, we both hate them. 
it's just this constant pain point of us bitching about like who's gonna take them out and unfold them and this and that <laughs> dog hair all, like these things are stupid so yeah it's like i'm really glad you picked this because yeah we're like these these are like like we know the other solution it's grip right but like why isn't there a middle ground these things are dumb and they're heavy too you put them in two giant totes that you gotta hump around like mm-mm. yeah um, I've found myself, honestly, like I might get skewered for this, but like before I move a drop cloth, sometimes I will go just not use one. If the thing that I'm painting over or around isn't like a, you know, there are things where like, if you get a drip on it, it's game over. And there are things where if you get a drip on it, you stop, wipe it off and it's perfect. And you move on with your day. Yeah. Obviously I'm not going to take those chances in the first case, but in the second case, it's like before I go and get one or move one, I rarely drip anyway. Like I use good products, good brushes and that. Like I yeah. still, I, I avoid using them when I feel like I can get away with it and only use them. Like half the time I put one down, it's for the client. It's for yeah. keeping up appearances. It's yeah, not for me. Yep. I, I know, I know how often anything real happens and yeah. So I've actually started spec and grip right on certain, certain jobs. Um, so that is, that is something I like going into the future more. And yeah. You got to test that tape though on the edge. That's what I was going to say before I started thinking about skunked drop cloths was uh, oh, yeah. that tape, that soft tape. Cause like frog tape has the yellow one. 3M has the purple one uh, or the easy release or whatever it is. Mm-hmm. Cause I've like a lot of these older homes that we've worked in too. Like I've pulled, finish right off the stuff especially if the floors were oh, waxed yeah. at one point mm-hmm. even with that purple tape and now you have a halo around the outside and it's like now you're redoing floors because you didn't feel like having drop cloths that's in my contract though oh you write it in your, that you're that's not responsible yeah i'm gonna have to yeah and that's yep. all good until you're like hey it's in the contract and they're like hey i'm never calling you again and you're like i know ah. yeah honestly like that it's that's a tough one, right? Because like you're t- you're kind of you're not the cause, but you're the reason it happened this time, yeah. right? But like at the end of the day, you're not the one who didn't do your job. But you're burning that bridge, you know? I, With- yeah, but if you get paid, and like I know that's the wrong attitude in some ways, but like it's it's how how responsible can we be for someone else's negligence if we did our due diligence to the best? to the best of our ability, you know? Yeah. 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 Well, so it's one of those, that's like another thing. Like, what, know, is it know, worth yeah. burning bridges? Yeah, yeah. It's almost like a different debate with different pot to stir. Yeah. yeah. With, yeah. Like Luke there, I've had that issue to, like to you that with a project this past year, because like the finish on the floors are like crazy old and coatings and finishes like, fail after a certain point, especially if it's like frequently walked on. Um, so that's something like, I'm also really just trying to like communicate like, Hey, like this is our, like our process. Like we want to, like, we have to like tape our floor protection down because of these reasons. But like, just like a disclaimer, like, a delicate surface tape like it will pull up a failed finish like your floors have an old finish on it and like we'll do like what we can and be like strategic with taping but like at the very minimal like our parameter needs to be taped off 
and giving them a heads up that way and just kind of trying to be creative. But also the, I just want to loop back real quick to like Noah's point about um, painting a section uh, without like a drop cloth there. Like I've done that myself too. But one thing I've been like thinking about in the back of my head is like my employees are watching me. Like the people I'm trying to train, like to show them like how it's done. And they're also like, like I feel comfortable like painting specific areas without a drop cloth because like I've been doing this for a long time. Yeah. But then when we get my apprentice of six months, he's going to come to a point on a project where like, do I take the time to move the drop cloth, which that'll be only under specific circumstances, but like, do I take the time to move it or do I just work around it? And like, I've had to like catch myself, like, no, like I need to stop being lazy like at the core like that's what it is i just like i don't want to pick up and move this drop cloth and take like it's just a hassle but like the people i'm training are watching me they're less skilled they're yeah they're they don't they they don't have like that level of discernment so it's where like you just have to draw that line and just enforce it yeah you're constantly setting the bar as the owner and the trainer and the things if you don't hold yourself to the same standards you expect other people to, it's just not going to happen. I, I do. I yeah. just said on a job Friday, I just broke one of my own rules as I'm working with an employee. Yeah. It's just same similar thing. So it's like, it, it can be difficult. The, can I just real quick too? the, uh, yeah. we, we just did a project where I, I tested it right on the floors, the tape. And I'm like, this is going to destroy these floors. I can't tape to them, but we needed to have protection down. It was the gloss room, that green gloss room we sprayed. Mm-hmm. What I did was that trim on that room had quarter round around the, like the baseboard had like a little, you know, that little quarter round around the bottom. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So we just taped the flooring protection to that specifically, like all the way across it. So it didn't get any paint on it during the whole process, finished everything, pulled our flooring protection, went through, put two coats on all that little quarter round. You can never tell the difference that it wasn't sprayed and wow. people aren't down there staring at the bottom of a piece of trim, you know? Yeah, and uh, it so like that's like a little workaround. I bet you could do it on the bottom of even just normal flat baseboard that goes directly to the ground. Yeah, and people aren't going to notice a tiny little lip down there. You know, it's like risk reward situation there. Yeah, and I think that that makes perfect sense, especially in those hot like you're going to be in that room for a while, and that's super high stakes to yeah. put in that like next level of care and to test and to really know. Um, I guess I've never tested before I've put tape down like that either, but I'm normally not, I'm I'm normally doing it to just hardwood floors that like, I'd be shocked if anything came up. Yeah, I would test it. It only takes a second, you know, (laughs) you've been surprised. I've been surprised a couple of times because what ends up at like wax coatings is when you don't it, like if a floor has been waxed, but I don't know, like that's a lot of older homes. I don't know what, how often you're working in like, you know, 80, hundred year old homes, but I've been surprised when I put tape down. I'm like, Oh, you know, well, the one I spec'd it for, uh, in two months is a 200 year old home. Yeah, I would test it. I, but it takes two so. seconds. Yeah, yeah. No, I'm gonna, I'm gonna. Yeah, yeah, that might be another conversation. And yeah. then if you I'll, run I'll into the that. problem, 
you can troubleshoot it. And then you're taping it to the baseboards or just, you know, mm -hmm. letting it float. We've done letting it float. You tape it all together, right? So it's not really going to move. Mm -hmm. And then we'll just do literally just runners around the whole outside and just leave them. Mm -hmm. And then when we paint the baseboard, we'll just pull them back a little bit, mm -hmm. which is kind of like a workaround. Sure. Sure. Yeah. All right. I like this one, Connor. Cancel drop close. Yeah. <laughs> that, I mean, that'll definitely ruffle feathers. I think no, that's that, for me. At least with, I don't know. Maybe like the painters listening to this podcast so much would ruffle their feathers, but maybe it does. I mean, I, I know it. It's I don't know. It's, it's a little bit of a stirring right well, there. It's, it's again. I like I like the idea of just like rethinking the things that we carry and work with every single day. And say like you know what's what's the point? How can we do this better? Why are we carrying the last fifteen uh, dog <laughs> worth of dog hairs to the next place? Worth like it's it's a thing that we all do that doesn't make sense on a million levels. So yeah, oh, cool. Um, anything else we forgot to talk about? Any closing thoughts from you guys? No, this was fun. All right, cool. Where can we find you online, on the gram, on the company website? What do you want to shout out? I'm at uh, at the Blasey Painting on Instagram. That's where we do most of our social media stuff. We try to keep the stories fun and light, and then every once in a while, we'll have a photographer come out and shoot a site, and I'll get a bunch of pictures for posts. Um, and we're also at theblaseypainting.com if you want to check out any of the work that we do. But I would go to the Instagram. That's where most of it is. I know. <laughs> uh, yeah, Instagram would be the best place. I mean, that's where I'm posting the most. Remnant, Remnant Restoration Painting on Instagram. Uh, I mean, also, you could look at the website. I just had it revamped, and there, like, I, yeah, I'm definitely like try the try to revamp that in a way like clients that like they're asking the questions like discerning questions just i don't know you might you might get something out of it um and i mean i guess facebook too but honestly facebook for paint companies i feel is pretty pointless yeah I'm not that's, I mean, that's another yeah. pot I'll, I'll stir but More I, pot stirring yes <laughs> <laughs> yeah I, facebook too but instagram would be the yeah best, best way to look at our work ig's where it's at for the painting. how about you mr canner at advice from a young tradesman and that's pretty much it beautiful that's that's where i talk to the industry and then at nth degree painting is where i occasionally post for the local burlington market but not reliably sweet all right okay cool thank you guys for experimental episode number one we'll be back for at least two more and based on on this i hope more than that but uh yeah thanks for joining gentlemen thanks for having us all right okay hope you enjoyed that one thanks again to uh luke and connor for just being willing to do this experiment with me and painter solutions for sponsoring this three-part series remember the coupon code is podcast gift there orders hundred dollars or more through the end of february the surveys in the show notes, please do the survey. It's super helpful. And stay tuned for 3X Base episodes two and three coming out shortly. Take care. 
Painted podcasts are produced by the Painting Contractors Association and is made possible by members and industry partners. To find out more about upcoming education opportunities or for more information about joining PCA, visit PCAPaintEd.org.